This episode is brought to you by Soccer Shots, the children's soccer experience. Soccer Shots is the official two to five year old soccer program of U.S. youth soccer. Find out more at soccershots.org slash DFW North. This is Hustle and Pro with Kelly Walker. Join Kelly as she talks sports with players, coaches, organizers, and entrepreneurs from BWE League to Pro. Now here's your host, Kelly Walker. We are sitting down with Nick Johnson. Nick is the owner of Lakes Tennis Academy. We're going to talk about his sports story. He has an interesting one and how he became the owner here of Lakes Tennis. But first, we're also going to do some quick hits to get to know you a little bit better. Welcome, Nick. Hey, what's up? All right, here we go. So tell me who your all-time favorite athlete is. Roger Federer. What about your all-time favorite team? Dallas Cowboys. What's your favorite sport to play? I can't believe I'm going to say this right now, but pickleball. Wow. (laughs) Got some follow-ups to that in a minute. I was just assuming you would say tennis. What's your favorite sport to watch? Football. Okay. What's the farthest distance you've ever traveled to watch sports or to play sports? To play sports? uh, Oklahoma. Have you traveled any farther to watch, like a big tennis tournament or anything like that? I have. Uh, I'm sorry I'm bad with geography, but it would be um, London for Wimbledon or Paris for the French Open. I'm not sure which one's further. I don't either, but those are both (laughs) fabulous places to have gone to watch sports. One last quick hit. Do you have any sports superstitions? No, this is kind of weird, and it's not necessarily related to sports, but I always like to end, if there's a number anyway, with a seven. I don't know why, and that's not always with sports, just kind of general quirk of life. A lucky number kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. All right, so now I want to dive into um, your, your story personally, and also some of the young athletes that are coming out of here. So first I want to start with, with Junior Wimbledon. That's kind of the latest thing that's that's on the, the radar here in um, Frisco, and everybody's excited about it. So talk to me a little bit about um, Savannah and Abigail and how, like, how you know them and how they came through here, or okay. just one of them. Yeah, Savannah came over, I think, about two and a half years ago. Uh, she was kind of starting her ranking in Texas and uh, just has worked hard, a great family committed. So she started getting really good, started getting nationally ranked, and really um, probably the last six to 12 months started working you know, more toward an ITF, which is a junior world ranking. So she got into the US Open in New York last year, the qualifying for the girls. Uh, played a great match, but lost. Um, couldn't go to Australia too far, probably not worth the time for what she was ranked. But she got in the French Open, had a little good run, and um, I think right before that she met Abigail Forbes, who trains uh, out of uh, Florida. Uh, Abigail's 18, Savannah is 16, and they teamed up uh, to play for the first time together, um, I think in the French Open, and played, okay. had a good match, and I think they lost first round. That was going to be one of my questions when I saw them teamed up, and I thought, okay, she's not from here, so they probably haven't been you know, a pair and teamed up mm-hmm. all the time, and I wondered... 
how long before this Wimbledon tournament did they get to play together? So you're saying the French Open, like how time frame wise, like how long? A couple weeks. Oh wow. Couple weeks. So you know when you're talking about world ranking, I think Savannah going in was about 42 in the world. Uh, Abigail's pretty close. So when you go into those tournaments, you know from the United States, there's only a few folks probably that really even make sense for you to play with, and you know partner wise at the same level. And so um, yeah, it was kind of a, a, a first time at the French Open. And there is one tournament uh, called Roehampton that a lot of players play. You can't find grass in Texas. So if you want to play on grass once before you play your first round at Wimbledon, mm -hmm. you want to play Roehampton, which is kind of between that French Open and Wimbledon. So they did play Roehampton together. And interestingly enough, they lost to the same people in Roehampton, the warm-up tournament for Wimbledon, that they lost to in the French Open. Was the people that beat them, did they go to Wimbledon? Surely, right? Yeah, you're going to steal the end of the story. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, no. It, that's ironic. That's who they played in the finals in the fifth round. Same girls. So third time was a charm. Third time was a charm. They've only played together three times. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah, crazy, huh? It is crazy. That's the one you want to win if you're right. win one of the three, right? Right. They were just warming up the first couple <laughs> yeah, tournaments. Yeah, exactly. Getting their scouting them. them and figuring out how to beat them, right? Yep. And when you, when you talk about that, though, is, is a lot of that... Um, strategy of how to beat somebody that's now beat you twice in a row is that your coaches figuring out the strategy on how to beat those other players or is that in this sport at that level is it the player figuring it out yeah good question and I should not take any credit on coaching of, of any sort but I did talk to their coach Dave Licker that was with them and you know his big thing with Savannah throughout the tournament is is not really about strategy as much as mental um, at that level, she's powerful, she's strong, she knows, but on that stage, you can imagine, you know, being a 16-year-old girl, the emotions, the, you yeah. traveled, you spent all this money, and now you got to, you know, you know the, the match goes by quick. So he spends tons of time talking to her, particularly about how to think and how to manage emotions and really manage um, mess-ups. Mm. Come back, how to yep. not let it Absolutely. You, throw you off or yep. derail you. Yep. Well, that's fascinating. So, so does Savannah still work out here? I mean, yep. Is she actively, like, what's her next step then? I mean, Savannah uh, got back from Wimbledon, uh, had multiple interviews with television stations. It was, it was super cool. Yeah. Um, and she had a super cool experience after she won the finals of Wimbledon. She didn't realize the winners of the junior doubles gets invited to the Wimbledon ball like the Royal Ball. So Djokovic and Federer played in the men's final. Serena and Hallett played. So the tradition is that night, Sunday night, is the winner's dance. They do the first dance, Djokovic, Hallett. Savannah gets invited to that. Oh. She didn't even have enough clothes to be playing five days later because she didn't think she'd win. a ball. Right. You know, so wear. these ladies take her in her room. They have all these dresses lined out. Savannah goes and she picks her dress. How cool. They give her a dress. Now she doesn't get to keep it. Sure. But then they, <laughs> jewelry, here's your jewelry, jewelry, here's your handbag. Wow. And they take her and they do her hair and she goes off to the Wimbledon ball. How cool. She got to be fancy. Like up. a, yeah, Cinderella story. Yeah, so it really just, is. So. Well, that's fascinating. So I'm excited and I mean, it's just prideful that they're from, she's from Frisco and. So fun. One of, you know, Frisco Tennis Academy's own local kids. So that's great. Excited to keep watching her to see where she goes 
from here. So I'm sorry, I kind of threw that in because I think it's such a cool story. It is. Uh, but what's she doing next? She is, uh, this week, she's in San Diego. It is Girls Hardcourt Nationals, which is about the biggest hardcourt tournament in the United States. It's in San Diego. The boys are in Kalamoo. Kalamazoo, Michigan, um, and we have another player named Kaylee Evans that's also there in San Diego. We have a coach there, and we have a coach at Kalamazoo. So Savannah will play that, and um, then she will play the U.S. Open in New York, the big one. And her partner, Abigail, turns 19 in September or October, so they can actually play together okay. one more tournament. The U.S. Open set like September 1st. So she ages out. Yeah, so yeah. they get to come back. Now, there's going to be pressure this time sure. because yeah. after coming off the win, so that's what she's doing next. That's exciting. Sounds like you've got Lakes Tennis kids all over the country yes. playing and qualifying. Very cool. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna back up a tiny bit and talk about your story and how you got to 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 own this place here, right here in the middle of Frisco. So I think your story is very inspiring, and you weren't necessarily able to take the straight path to being the star tennis player that you probably thought you wanted to be. So can you fill us in a little bit about like the diagnosis that shaped your path in tennis? Yep, I went to Lindo High School, um, small town was kind of good for Lindale, which is like very, very, very uh, low-level high school tennis compared to some cities. But I loved it more than anyone I knew. So when I graduated, the only Division I school that would consider me in the country was Oral Roberts University. And so I took it again because I love tennis so much. I didn't even play. I was like number eight. I was the, you know, I was the hitting dummy. Uh, but again, I loved it. And uh, things, the, the, Oral Roberts was not a good fit for me personality, especially back then. Um, and so I transferred to University of North Texas. It was um, uh, 94, halfway through my freshman year, because we had beaten University of North Texas. So I thought, hey, maybe there's a chance I could play tennis there. Well, the first month I was there, I had a bad stomach ache, had some roommates that said, hey, you know, uh, you don't look good. You should go to the health center. So I went to the tiny little health center at University of North Texas, which, you know, is a, is a very small place. And I got a blood test, and, and basically they told me uh, I had leukemia. And I was Out like, of nowhere. Out of you nowhere. You didn't think you were sick except the little stomach bug you thought you had, right? Nope. Nope, and uh, I remember the doctor came in. It was February, where, February 1st in 94. I was 19. I'm like, there's no way I have leukemia. Like, I've been playing college tennis. I've been doing crunches. You yeah, know, I'm healthy. Th- there's no way. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, yeah, you need to really accept this. And she uh, said, you, you have a window based on our research of about two months to two years to live. And the sooner you can accept that, you'll probably have less depression, less down just accepting that that's what you're looking at. Wow. And I was like, what? And um, basically they gave me a little booklet. Back in 94, uh, bone marrow transplants were not very common. And they just, you know, there was like, a, you know, but one in four are doing this new experiment called a bone marrow transplant. And so if you want to swing for the fence, you can do it. But, you know, about one in four die as well. There's some relapses and all that. And, and it's so, not uh, easy. It's not painful. Not easy. And, you know, you don't know if you have a, a match. One in four siblings is a match. And I have one sibling, and uh, he's his perfect match. Oh, my goodness. So they said, hey, if anybody's right for the, to try it, to do this trial, you know, your brother matches, you're diagnosed pretty early, swing for it. Wow. So, so how fast does that happen? May of 94. I actually kind of finished the, the semester um, weirdest semester of my life, thinking about two months to two years left. That's really odd. Yeah. Um, crazy. Uh, made me reassess everything I was doing in my life and what I had put priorities on. 
uh, and then had the transplant in May, my brother's perfect match, lost all my hair. In fact, I shaved a mohawk uh, and then woke up, and when it started to fall out, I stood in front of a mirror and I pulled my mohawk out. People don't know that when you, the chemo, it just breaks off of the scalp. Yeah. So I pulled my mohawk out, and then my brother's bone marrow went in, and 30 days later, they said, it worked. You're, you're cured. That's incredible. Yeah. That they went from two months to two years to what six months later you're, yeah, you're you're good. Yeah, you're good. I'm like, are you sure? <laughs> you sure about that? Yeah. So. So strange. did that? How'd that change your tennis world then? Well, uh, in the meantime, there's something called Title Nine happening where they cancel men's sports and keep women. So UNT. In the meantime, I thought, man. I could be a cool story that I could train and six months later I could come back from leukemia and, and play so I kind of start training but they took away the men's tennis team kept the women's took away men's soccer kept the women's yep. and so I thought wow I can either transfer which I'm not that good anyways let's be honest um, but I had a guy I'd, I'd gone to a place called Denton Bible Church was really involved there I had a guy that ran Glen Eagles Country Club calls me out of the blue doesn't even know me he said hey I think you can be a tennis pro at Glen Hills Country Club, primarily just work with the junior classes. And I'm like, a tennis pro? What? A tennis pro? You know, you don't really know anything about me. I'm not very good at what he goes, hey, I just want someone that wants to have an impact on kids. Do you want to have a positive impact on kids? Absolutely. Do you love tennis? Yes. And he said, that's what I'm looking for. I don't care how good you are. So I'm like, he said, I'll pay you $15 an hour. And I'm like, Unbelievable. I will drive from Denton. It's in a beautiful neighborhood in Plano. Oh, yeah. Glenn, you sure. know, Deion Sanders lived right well. down the street yes. with a gold, you know, yep. gold fence and all that prime time. Yep. And so went down and I started working for him. And I f- found out I was more in love with teaching because I loved it and I love people. Like, That's what I really loved about it the whole time. And, you know, playing wise, it was always frustrating. So, you know, stuff didn't click. So I got to teach, especially younger kids that I didn't realize they would. I could have an impact on they looked up at me just because I was a, a tennis pro, so to speak. So fell in love with their Glen Eagles. How did you find Lakes Tennis here in Frisco? So I reached out to the owner of Lakes Tennis Academy. Um, at the same time, he was splitting ties with his managing partner, who was his son-in-law. And the month of uh, the son-in-law and his daughter's divorce, I was hired to become the managing partner and... Um, Actually, I had no ownership. I was just, I was just the man. He was a managing partner. I was just a, a manager and came in and the facility was losing. Uh, Kurt was very clear about uh, the facility was losing a lot of money. I still remember my interview. Uh, and he said, hey, you need to know. And he was very quick. He was running a lot of businesses. He was very successful. But tennis, he never even meant to get into. It was to help the son-in-law that was now out. And I still remember the interview. He said, hey, we're not making any money. I see no reason that we're ever going to make money where you're in five and you have a limited amount of time. If it doesn't make money, I'm going to bulldoze the place. Wow. That sounds exciting. I was like, oh, positive. Let me take this. Sounds, sounds good. Well, but you did it. Right. I I came in. This is just, just still remember just in that office. And he says, so how much money do you need to start tomorrow? And I said, wow. I said, I need $100,000. And he said, okay, you can start tomorrow. And I was like, damn it, what an idiot. Why didn't you just say something? (laughs) 
and that was it in two, July of 2004. So I started working for Mr. Wellwood. He was awesome. He would come in. He would teach me business stuff and kind of develop me. He would just disappear. Run his other stuff. stuff yeah. He was like, hey, I know how to train you. Just do stuff. Make a lot of mistakes. And boy, did I make a lot of mistakes. feel like I kind of bluffed my way into the position. I don't really know Not how to run a facility, you know. Sometimes. And so, uh, you know, you learn the hard way. And, um, and here we are about two and a half, two years later. First year, we lost less. Second year, we broke even, made a tiny bit of money. Going to the next one, and he was not—he was really gone less and less as he saw it turn around. And he again a great person to work with, still a great relationship. One of the big things we hired my wife to do the accounting, so I knew where we were bleeding money. Mm-hmm. And I just asked him one day, sitting in this room, I just said, "Hey, is there any chance I could buy in just a just a maybe just a tiny bit? Because I could see it was going to start turning." And he said, "Oh, absolutely, you can buy the whole thing." And I said, "What? The the whole thing?" no way no way he said absolutely you can keep this place making profits finance you keep the payments coming you can buy it from me wow. you miss the payment drop the keys and walk out the door it's really easy wow i was like i think i'm really excited right now <laughs> went home and told my wife and she's like he said what we can buy the whole thing no way i'm like yeah we gotta deliver like, sure, but you were doing that anyway we I mean, were starting to yeah. yes yes but then it then it was all yours to do to, you know, to keep it and yes. keep baby. Yes. Now, how many years ago was that? That was the end of 2006. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I'd been here about two and a half years when that happened. So I've owned it since, uh, it was like December 31st, 2006. And now it's a large facility, multi-use, all kinds of things happening in, through here. Give me a quick recap of, of what we see here at Lakes Tennis Academy. Man, we've been so fortunate. Um, you know, we're we're... We say we're, we only want to be good or great at two things. One is moving you from one level to the next as fast as possible. We want to be phenomenal at developing, and we want you to feel like you're cared for genuinely and part of the community. That's all that we try to do. And that doesn't matter if you're five years old or a 32-year-old woman or a 16-year-old that's ranked in Texas. Yeah. And we that philosophy goes through everything. And so right now we've got... Um, a ton of kids at all levels getting better. We've got prodigy eight-year-olds. We've got a girl that's playing $25,000 challengers. This one, one. we got a, 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 a boy, well, he's 25, got in the main draw of the U.S. Open, had to qualify, and Australian Open. Um, he played Djokovic in the first round of Australian Open, the men's. After he qualified, he trains out of here. Wow. Several pros. So right now, it's um, a, a lot of ladies that um, they are social, but that really want to get better and that they want to be pushed and they want to be treated kind of like these high performance kids don't just make me feel good about myself and so we're really trying to really put our stake in the sand kind of like we did with juniors years ago we're gonna be hey if you're a lady and you really want to get better we're gonna start pushing harder and we are finding so many ladies are saying i want to get better i want you to train me right yeah you know believe that i can get better push me like you think you can push me that's how i would be i mean it's like if i'm gonna take the time to do it I want to get better every time I'm here. Yeah. Get better and better. Yeah, I mean, I don't care who you are. You want to win. It feels good to win, you know? When you were younger, you played other sports besides tennis as a kid, right? I did. What other sports did you play? I played basketball. I was more awful at basketball than I was at tennis. Um, I was good at water skiing. That's one of my few. I'm, I'm 
decent at ping pong, loved snow skiing, and I skateboarded for a while. All right. But What's this pickleball you talk about? Pickleball is like between, I'd say, ping pong and tennis. And I just like it because I've always loved ping pong. I love tennis, but it's kind of a, it's kind of a, it's a newer sport. It's one of the fastest growing sports in the country. And it's just a lot of touch. So it kind of be like a little bit, kind of like mini tennis or a little bit bigger, but it's, well, it's, it's a touch game. And what's the court that it's playing? Or where, where it's it played happen? on, like you could turn a court sideways and it kind of fit in half. Okay. A tennis yep. court. Yep. Okay. Yep. Is there, so is there like it. pickleball leagues in Frisco? You know what? Who do you there's, play there's a, with in Frisco? You know what? I've played just a few times. There's a place out in East Texas that we visit that has it. Uh, my friend Craig Bell will line his tennis court. My, my friend uh, Henry over at uh, Glen Eagles, he said sometimes he'll get more people on Glen Eagles Country Club for a Friday night pickleball event than tennis. <laughs> and so it's something great to mix in, but there's very few people that do it. And it's a pain in the rear to go tape your tennis court off because then sure. that tape's there yeah. and you got to remove it. And we have so much tennis and do it at such a high level. We don't really have court space for it, but man, I, you know, I've been wow. trying to expand and look at some other areas that we could maybe do a little, little bit of that as well. It'd be fun. Well, I've learned something about pickleball. Or it's about sports today. Pickleball. Yes. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I want to ask you about Frisco. Um, and youth athletes. Is Frisco a hotbed for youth tennis? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we have families moving here. I don't know how many have moved or bought second homes here. Um, but you can go to Florida. Uh, that used to be the thing back years ago. If you got to a certain level and you really want to be good. So we're hearing more and more families are, are, are staying in Texas. Um, you do that with a kind of a national level staff. you got to have national level kids. But a big part of it, a lot of these players are not going to be pro, but a ton of ours are going to be Division One college players. So we're in a fortunate spot where, you know, these recruiting colleges, TCU, Texas A&M, University of Texas, they, you know, University of Tennessee will come and visit and actually watch our practices. So you can imagine as a tennis parent, when a college coach is coming just to watch practice, it's, it's kind of a, a circular thing because the better kids you have, the more the college coaches want right. to come. More so chance they'll come here. Right now, um, it's regular conversations between a handful of my pros um, of, of that next level Division I, one so you kids. M- you mentioned a bunch of D1 schools. Scholarships is a hot topic for parents my age who are sending kids into high school and of course, that's what everybody around here talks about. What do you see from your perspective here for tennis scholarships for Frisco players? Um, girls have a significant advantage. Um, NCAA Division One allows eight girl full rides. So you're not even playing top six, and you can get a full ride as a female. It goes back to that Title IX. Yep. Now, for boys, it's four and a half. So you might be number two on the team and still having to share a scholarship to be able to get eight deep, especially when you're playing singles and doubles. And so there's great potential for both because of the level of players that you have to play here, which, you know, it's not like golf where you against the course. You need somebody across the net that can be pushing you. And so right now in Frisco, that's people are having to come to Frisco to have someone across the net that can beat them at a certain level. And it's contagious. And so there's a lot of opportunity uh, for college scholarships. And even more so for girls. So we're, Frisco is setting that high bar for local tennis players. Absolutely. People are coming here to get the competitive, just to, to be in the same class of 
people training with the higher level players. Yes. Wow. Yeah, That's I awesome. think last year we got a, a very cool award, Development Program of the Year, but the United States Tennis Association called, it was like number two in the country, and he said, look, y'all had like 31 players qualify for national events, and I think he said number two in Texas had eight. <gasps> Wow. I don't know who that is, and it, that you is. know, I don't know where that market yeah. is, but he said that's, you know, basically wow. that's where you start the, you know, all the recruiting, all so that stuff potential. It's so not it's not just good; it's above and beyond. We didn't know. Yeah. We had no idea, and that can change at any moment. There's sure. a bunch of other great places in Texas, and, and and we all push each other. But that was last year. But well, there's another good. year rolling around. Yeah, <laughs> it's good, but it's I doubt it's something that's going to be not good anytime soon. I mean, you've got the momentum. And like you said, the more momentum you have, then the better players and families and people you're attracting. And so surely the momentum will maintain. Between yeah. that award uh, in Indian Wells, California, they, they, they flew us out. It was really nice. They gave it to us at a big tournament. It's beautiful out in Palm Springs. That was in March. Between that award, Savannah um, winning Wimbledon, uh, the phone is ringing off the hook. Not just the news, but, you know, the, the news reporters, but players coming. We, even since then, we've had even uh, just this week two nine-year-old kids talking about um, one family's looking at houses, a second home today for their nine and five-year-old child. Now, they're great. We looked at those kids and we're like, wow, we'll here's some incredible, <laughs> fantastic. But we're, we're, we're getting even younger. We've had that at 14 and 16 where they're all, already fantastic and maybe in a market, but now it's starting to trickle more. So we hope the momentum stayed, but we're, wow. you know, we've added a couple brand new staff that are really some of the highest level developers in the country. Well, I'm glad you're, you're busy. I'm glad your phone is ringing off the hook and I'm glad that the momentum is strong here in Frisco for tennis. So thanks for giving Lifestyle Frisco a minute to talk thank, to you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Fingers crossed we're doing our best, but thank you for coming out and chatting and yeah. man, we're in Frisco. It's, you know, we couldn't be more lucky, fortunate, whatever word you want to have for it. So to be a sports city, best place to raise an athlete, we're just kind of happened to fall here you know the place was built in 99 it wasn't known for either of those two things and uh we just had no idea where we would end up later so um well, i'm glad you, know. you stuck with it and so, made it what it is yeah, good deal awesome. and i think good things come around to good business owners who want the best for the right reasons and so you and your wife have stuck with it and made it something great so congrats i appreciate that thank you we try to be good people most of the time <laughs> best wishes to, to you guys in the future here all right thanks